Hi and welcome. I'm your host, Maida, and this is the Catalyst Club podcast, a show where I sit down with catalysts of change who have been there, done that, and even gotten the souvenir t-shirt. Our topics focus in the communication layer of the tech stack, where software, infrastructure, and services come together to deliver outstanding CX and digital employee experience. Welcome to the Catalyst Club podcast. I'm Maida, your host, and today with me, I have Dominic Pasta, head of North America and Latin America Contact Center Technology at Aon. Dominic has been in the industry for over a decade, leading digital transformation and cloud migration projects here in the US, as well as across the pond in England and in Europe. Dominic, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm very excited for our discussion today. This is something that we've been discussing for a while, and just to get you on the calendar is is just a win for me, really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy. I think this is a really important topic. I'm hoping there's a lot of value in in the conversation. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about building versus buying. But before we start, I'm going to give you the floor. You can kind of explain how you got to Aon. What have you done in the past? And why do we like talking to you so much about this topic? So I started my career out at Groupon working very heavily in the operational the contact center space. At the time when I first started, we looked at how we can optimize a lot of our processes to drive efficiencies within the organization through both consolidation of our operations globally, as well as this kind of optimization at the fundamental process level within each organization. And one of the areas that we had noticed was a continued hindrance to our ability to optimize was our technology environment. And so at the time, I kind of took the lead on working at overseeing the tech space, how we can leverage our technology to deliver efficiencies, gain insights through you know, different access to data, et cetera, and kind of fell back into the contact center tech world at that point. Moved through into overseeing our global contact center technology organization at Groupon, very heavily involved in the third-party technology space and working very closely with our engineering and internal teams that were dedicated to building out products within a Groupon ecosystem. So very much walked that build versus buy line throughout most of my Groupon career. Moving over into Rocket Mortgage after seven and a half years at Groupon, similar conversations had about how do we move forward with new innovative technologies to lead clients through the mortgage space and kind of into a new digital focused environment. And of course, as you can imagine, Rocket Mortgage has a lot of legacy technology that they've built out over the course of the last decade, a couple decades, helping them bring some of their technology into the modern environments that you would expect to see that enable digital engagement and innovative growth. And so it moved over to Aon about a little over a year ago and into the head of North America and Latin American contact center technology as we worked at globalizing the contact center space and really heavily focused on trying to bring new innovative technologies to support our clients. Aon, again, has you know a nice blend of home-built technologies versus third-party procured technologies. And again, it's, it's a constant conversation on how we define a path forward and what the most optimal blend of these technologies is to really deliver the, the most optimized client experience that we would expect. So when companies like Aon and like Quicken Loans are trying to determine the path forward, let's take a step back. What should one do to explore the build versus buy? What are they looking at? What should they you know, analyze? What data do they need to pull out? What's the situation that they need to oversee in order to better grasp the idea of, hey, let's go one way or the other way? 
So I think one of the first things is really understanding what the clients are demanding of you or what your customers are expecting of a particular organization in the space. And that can be in comparison to other competitors on the market that can be based off of data derived through internal analysis, but really understanding what's the objective and what are, are we being asked to deliver to provide a better or more seamless experience for our clients. And I think once you really understand the fundamentals of what are you trying to achieve, you kind of move into a stage of, okay, what do we have available to us? What technologies do we have in play already internally? What does, what does the space look like externally on the market? What is the budget that we're looking at? Do we have enough of a budget to focus on, you know, everything at once? Do we need to start looking at breaking this down into smaller, more digestible chunks and look at how we build a roadmap over time? What kind of resourcing do we have? So it can go from everything from technology resources that you would need in order to support a bot platform, be it tech or admin resources, through to engineering resources available that you would need to have in order to build out the platform and making sure that you can support that process, all the way through to everything that you would require to deliver and execute on your proposed approach, project management resources, training, and quality resources, etc. And then lastly, speed to market. So how fast do we need to deliver this product? Is there a internal timeline that we're working up against? Do we have some time to make sure that we're getting this right? Is there some kind of blend? Can we work in a little bit of an agile format in order to iteratively release some of these capabilities? What does that plan to market look like and how fast and rapid do we need to be? And that can be based off of competitor space. That can be based off of numerous amount of, of reasons on why, why you would need to hit the market at a more rapid clip than, than maybe taking some time to to work it to a little bit more of a robust platform. And I think once you take into consideration all of these internal workings, give us a little bit of clarity on how you would approach next steps around determining whether build versus buy is appropriate. So in terms of that next step, what are some trade-offs that you have seen from previous experience of if you go build versus buy? There's a lot, and that probably would warrant an hour-long conversation by itself. But I think first and foremost, we'll start with building. Building gives you the opportunity of really delivering a product that's fully customized to your needs. You have full control and autonomy over the capabilities and features that you're putting in front of either your clients or your internal stakeholders or whoever it might be that you're building this product for. You have full control over future releases. It's really end-to-end everything within your team and your, your vision's control. Now, with that being said, the trade-off here is that a lot of times when a product is built internally, you don't take advantage of some of the wider market features that that might be being explored in other areas or other industries or even by other competitors. And so where a lot of companies can run into problems is building platform that's really focused to the here and now and not necessarily taking into consideration where the industry is going, whether that be the contact center or customer experience industry, or whether that be the industry company and the expectations and demands of the clients in that space. And eventually down a road of building an overly customized platform that's not agile enough to meet future market demands. Whereas buying tends to benefit from the fact that you have pulled insights from multiple clients that have demands of them in order to optimize the capabilities and the features that they're delivering as part of their SaaS product. And so in certain situations, you might actually be able to take advantage of features or capabilities that you hadn't considered in a situation where you went down 
path of building a particular platform. That being said, again, a trade-off here is that you're kind of tied to an external firm's development pipeline and feature pipeline. And you might only get 80%, 70, 80% of uh, what you were hoping to get out of the capabilities of a particular platform. There's obviously some trade-offs. And it's a decision factor of whether that extra 20 to 30% that you might be missing is worth it to have additional features or advanced access to additional features that you might otherwise not have factored in. I think it also goes further than that. You have to remember that the value of procuring software also comes from other areas where staffing up internal organizations to solution for those areas would be very cost prohibitive unless you're talking about a large enterprise organization. Things like 24-hour 7 support, knock level support and uptime guarantees that, that you get with a SaaS-based platform, those come at really really expensive costs at an enterprise level that tend to only drive value at an enterprise level. Small small businesses might not be able to set up a 24-7 support system like a software product is able to do. Similarly, things like the user experience and how a either a client or an agent engages with the product. They're taking data and insights from hundreds of different clients that are using their software and able to optimize the interfaces around that software to make things more efficient, more effective, make sure that you're capturing underlying data requirements that can be used in driving analysis and, and insights into your client experience or your agent experience. And having a team that specializes and is dedicated to those types of capabilities provided as part of a product, it's obviously something that can be very hard for a lot of organizations that don't have a specialized practice internally to, to accomplish. So last thing that immediately comes to mind, and like I said, there's a lot of different areas where certain considerations need to be taken, but particularly those organizations that use third-party BPOs or staffing firms to supplement a lot of these third-party products tend to be pervasive through the market. And so it can lead to shortened agent onboarding timelines due to just sheer familiarity with certain platforms that, that are common without, within the industry, as opposed to trying to train up you know, an entire support staff on a home-built product where there might be limited familiarity there. And so even some of the operational considerations as you're kind of working through a level of attrition or seasonal ramp schedules or whatnot, where you might be able to minimize some of that learning curve through, through platforms that have been used by these agent staff in other areas. So let me just ask a question, and this could be something. I'm new to the industry, so I'm also learning as I'm, I'm having these conversations with all these thought leaders. In terms of when you build versus when you buy how often should you look to upgrade or look to optimize that built aspect that you have? And does that mean that from the way that you described it, it seems like if I buy it, I don't have to do that work. Is that correct? That work is kind of done in the background by the third-party vendor, correct? Correct. There's obviously, depending on the customization around it, there's some considerations, but the soft, software as a service, one of the core values is that you're able to take advantage of upgrades and new feature requests as they're released and immediately are able to be used and delivered to business or to your clients. For a built environment, obviously that takes some level of keeping a pulse on the industry and where different capabilities are going and building out a pipeline to manage implementation of those capabilities that you feel would be valuable for your business. And whether that's a waterfall cadence where you're looking at building out these capabilities and releasing them quarterly or half yearly, or whether that's an agile approach where you're continuing to iteratively release capabilities on a sprint cycle, the difference in build versus buy is that 
with a built environment, your product manager or whoever is overseeing the development of that platform is really going to need to make sure they've got a, a close pulse on what's happening in the space, what clients are demanding, and what takes priority to deliver the most value for the organization. Now, similarly with SaaS-based products, of course, there is a level of prioritization that needs to happen with regards to operationalizing any releases that are done, but it takes away the need for focusing and prioritizing engineering needs. I think that's also important is kind of talking through some of the opportunity costs and trade-offs and long-term support of a built product as well that that needs to be factored in when going down the road of deciding to build something. You know, first off, is it a core competency of the business? And when you're putting resources into staying on top of market dynamics to the point here where software firms might, you might be able to take a of SaaS firms releases here, when you have to stay ahead of market capabilities by building, is that really one of your core competencies? Isn't it, is it differentiating you from your competitors in the space versus had you just focused your efforts in other areas with those resources and leveraged the, the SaaS product and the subsequent releases that you know, they make either quarterly or, or half yearly or, or, or what have you. And then long-term support comes into play as well. There's been a lot of times where at certain organizations, the technologies have been built and optimized to a point, and then the organization's direction changes and engineering resources are pulled out into other areas and the platform goes into almost like a graveyard. And it typically isn't a problem until that platform has problems. And you've got to scramble engineering resources over to kind of identify and, and solve for those issues. Whereas, you know, a software as a service platform, those, those tend to be or are monitored on a 24-7 hour cycle. So it goes a little bit even beyond just like the releases, but what are your trade-offs and how many resources do you really have to dedicate long-term to managing these releases and managing the product and whether there's value in making sure that your customization is actually a differentiator for you in the industry versus kind of taking something off the shelf. And you talked a little bit about over-customization. Let's talk a little bit more about technical debt and what that looks like in either scenario. Yeah. So it absolutely can happen in both scenarios. In a built product, it tends to revolve around meeting a immediate business needs, something that is focused on the struggle here and now, and doesn't always tie to a longer term roadmap or objective or what we're trying to get to as an organization. And so what happens is typically get into an overly customized solving for the problems of the here and now. And then in six months, 12 months, even 24 months down the road, as the industry changes and market dynamics change and operational issues and problems that are being solved for advancements that you're trying to achieve pivot, the technology has been built in direction A and getting over to direction B can be quite challenging. So similarly, in a SaaS-based product, a lot of platforms enable you to customize around those products. Now, there can be problems when you overly customize the SaaS products to a particular need within the organization and roadmaps start to diverge. So I've seen it happen a couple of times in my career where somebody built a heavily customized SaaS-based products to a current need, the business evolves and changes, and a SaaS firm releases an update that's not necessarily compatible with the internal customization that you've built. And then it's a scramble to go ahead and work at trying to make adjustments and adapt. And I think it's really critical to 
to understand what capabilities are we looking at building into either a built product or into a bought product? And are they necessary? And do they really differentiate and set us apart? Or do they really deliver value to our operations to the point where that's necessary at the risk of potentially in the future having to put resources at altering or changing or unwinding some of these features to continue moving down the path of, and the direction that the industry is going or that the business is going. And remember, everything comes at an opportunity cost. So if you're spending time unwinding things that have been built 12, 24, 36 you know, months ago and trying to bring it back into the current state of affairs, that's coming at a cost of continued innovation that you could be delivering to your agents, your clients. And so typically try to focus at how much of this out of the box can we deliver and where we're optimizing and building customizations around a SaaS-based product. How do we make sure that it's built in an agile or flexible manner so that way we can evolve it as we move forward? For built-based products, that typically translates into like a microservice or web service type environment where you can customize portions of this product. And when things evolve, it's easier to bolt and unbolt different features or capabilities without both bringing down the entire system, but also minimizing the resources that you would need in order to you know, continue to evolve the platform without having to scramble resources to kind of rebuild an entire system. And then do these digital transformations, when you think of let's see where we are and what the path forward is going to be, are we looking at it falling under a CapEx or an OpEx? So it can go both ways. Typically with your home-built based platforms, a lot of the capital expenditures that you are going to realize are around customization of the product and uh, servers and et cetera that they're, that they're built on. But I think particularly when you're looking at a TCO, a lot of the OpEx costs that go into supporting that type of products gets lost in translation. It's engineers that we already have, you know, they're just being put into a product to help build this particular feature now and they're rolled off. And so the OpEx portion of this tends to get a little bit muddied and hard to quantify. And I think it's really important that you focus on that TCO for either direction that you would go and making sure that you understand the cost implications and what you can amortize, et cetera. For a software-based product, I mean, you can, particularly when you're working through implementation partners, some of that can be capitalized, but majority of the time you're focused again on your uh, licensing costs and your operational expenses, which at net might look higher, but when you factor in all the operational costs that it takes to really successfully deliver a built system, I think a lot of people would would be surprised with how those actually would compare out. If you could, you know, tell your yourself three companies ago, this is the, this is what it's going to look like. This is what you, you know you need to do now. What would you say to to that person? So I would say first and foremost, take advantage of the knowledge and the breadth of coverage that a lot of software vendors are able to provide with different features, different capabilities. Really being able to innovate in the space and how you can take advantage of at least 80% of your requirements through supplying non-differentiating technologies to your core business competencies through off-the-shelf products. A lot of them have application exchanges or custom-built integrations with a lot of other platforms, which minimizes development work. And it really gets you a lot quicker to that 80% mark than, than what you would if you worked it at building out some of these products. And some of those nuanced features that you know you have to have today, you don't always really have to have tomorrow. And I think 
challenging that state and what you're sacrificing by not having those, what you would consider must have features to get to that 80% mark, I think is worth a conversation on a larger scale. Because as the SaaS platform evolves, not having too much customization wrapped around the product can be extremely valuable to an organization being agile in the future. And then build where it is really, really, really fundamentally core to being a differentiator for you in the market or the space that you work in. Focus your resources on optimizing that product and making sure that those two products, built and the bot, work together coherently and cohesively through centralized roadmapping project and program management and planning. And I think in delivering a harmony of both, you'll realize a lot more value for your business. Pulling resources away from your technology that's really your competitive differentiator to work at building products that you can get off the shelf for those one or two capabilities that you just can't seem to find in the software vendor, I think delivers more tech debt down the road, causes agility problems in you know two, three, four years for most organizations. And a lot of those capabilities that, you know, even back in the day that I thought were just necessary to have to deliver streamlined operational performance or, you know, client experience evolved dramatically in one to two years time. I mean, the market is ever evolving. It's constantly innovating. And in my opinion, you want to stay on top of that and make sure you're able to take advantage of those features instead of kind of focusing too much on the here and now for those one or two capabilities that think are absolutely critical to, to operational success. Every time you talk about not having over-customization, all I think about is those old TVs that have the VHS <laughs> players stuck to them. You know what I'm talking about? And then yep. the DVD came around and then you still had that that television with the, the VHS built in. So that, that's exactly where my, <laughs> my mind goes every time you talked about that. I always end the show with a quirky question. And seeing that you were in Europe and, and as well as in England for a little bit, who is your Premier League football team or soccer team? <laughs> I probably will irritate a lot of people, but I never really took to any of the Premier League teams. Unbelievable. Um, yep. I've been to a couple of Bundesliga games, but never to Premier League games. Most of my colleagues were Dutch and most of my friends were German. So they always drug me over to Cologne for some of their matches. Okay. I'll let that slide, I guess. I'm a Manchester United fan. My husband's from England. So it was going to either make or break our future interactions. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're a neutral party rather than, no. a, than a, a completely different team. So I, I love that. Any <laughs> final thoughts or final tidbits, any recommendations, anything that we didn't cover that you think we should? No, I mean, like I said, I think you could probably have an hour, two hour long conversation on the build versus buy. There's a lot of nuances that go into it that we probably weren't able to get to. But I think for the most part, a nice balance and really thinking through the long-term implications and decisions of a build versus buy are critical to the success of any of any firm or, or business going forward. So I'm, I'm really happy the opportunity to talk through my thoughts and chat with you this evening. Yes, I, I've had a really interesting time. Like I said, I am new to the industry, so I am learning and I'm observing and I might have, you know, simple questions that most people could be like, oh, she's asking such, you know, silly questions. We already know the answers to this. But I really believe that there's people out there who are just getting into the industry and really are looking for this information and having the, you know, this valuable input of somebody who has been there, done that, I think is key for anybody, you know, going forward in their career. Completely agree. 
All right. So thank you so much for your time and we'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye.